Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning again. How's everybody doing? Yeah? It's a good morning, right? I feel like it's a good morning. Matt was right. The band was rocking. He said he was juiced up. Not totally sure what that means, but I, I think I felt it too. Yeah, whatever it means, I think I experienced it as well. Uh, super fun worshiping together, guys. My name is Mitchell, by the way. Um, I don't know you, and I, there are a few faces that I don't know, and um, if we haven't seen each other this morning yet, then good morning. Um, really glad you're here. Um, guys, I just, I am uh, just pumped this morning. I get the opportunity to lead us as we learn together from God's Word. So hopefully you've been with us this summer. Uh, we've been in our series called Better Together. It makes me think of the, the Jack Johnson song, you know? Does anybody else think of that? I'm the only one. Okay. Well, I, I keep thinking we should sing it, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Better Together is not about, it's not a love thing. It's about, a, well, it is a love thing, not a romantic love thing. It's about the church. We've been talking about the church every week. We've been discussing different uh, questions about the church every week. We believe that there are lots of questions in our cultural moment around the church. And uh, we think they're important questions and valuable questions and relevant questions and understandable questions. And so we are working each week to address a different question. Hopefully that's been beneficial to you. Remember, we started with just talking about really what is the church or more appropriately, who is the church and who is the church? It's good. That's great. I love that. So the church is the people of God, right? And uh, there's a universal church that's all the people of God everywhere, and then there are local churches, which are local expressions of the universal church. So like ICC, we are a local church. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about a question that I think is very relevant. It's relevant in my life, and hopefully it is in yours too. Here's our question for today. We're just going to jump right to it. Here's the question. If I can find community outside the church, then why do I need the church? Okay, does anybody resonate with this question? Maybe a few. So we talk about community a lot in the church and, and generally when we use the word community, we're just, we're talking about the people in your life that you have relationships with, right? And that you kind of live life with. We talk about this a lot. Um, and I, the reason I relate with this question a lot is because, um, I, I don't know about you guys. Some of you may be like this. Some of you uh, may, may not relate as much, but I try, I kind of make an effort, like an intentional effort to connect with people and be relational in all areas of life. Does anybody relate with that? And that's a good thing, right? We encourage that. We challenge one another to do that. That's a good thing. But it leads to a question of, well, um, what's the role of the church in my community, in my social life, right? When it comes to friends, for, in, to put it simply, 
what's the big deal about having community in the church if I can find friends anywhere? Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Because think about it. I mean, we can, you can make friends anywhere, right? Think about all the, different, all the different things that community can be built on. One is just like stage of life, right? So kind of demographics, like age, right? This is a apparently happy group of young adults, you know? And they're, they're all happy because they're all the same age and in the same stage of life, right? So they can relate with one another. Uh, if you're a student, right, undoubtedly you're making friends with the people you're studying with, right? You're working together with them all the time. You're, you're uh, like Cody and Chloe mentioned, like you come and you know you're here for a few years for school and you're going to be with the same people. When you show up on day one, you're like, these are the people I'm going to be around for the next few years. Um, depending on your job, right, you might work in an office, where you're brushing shoulders with the same people every day. You might work in a hospital or a, a clinic of some sort, and you're, you're working closely with other medical professionals, you know. Um, maybe even just your location, where you live, right? You may have close friendships with your neighbors. That, that's a really good thing. Um, maybe even common interests with others. You may have hobbies that connect you with other people, whether that's like um, disc golf, you know, or uh, photography or video games or whatever it is that you like to do, you might make friends through that, right, with other people who like to do those same things. You may even uh, bond with other people around a cause, like you see a need and you serve together to help meet that need. You may even, um, at some point in your life, be in like a, a support group of people who come together, they have similar backgrounds, maybe similar struggles even, and you encourage one another. Do you, do you get the point? Okay, this is just a few things that are kind of top of mind here. There are more, but there are lots of ways that you can make friends. And that leads us back to our question. There are lots of ways you can make friends. And those, all of those things we just shared are good things, right? Y'all agree? Those are good things to have friends in all those different areas of life. But again, the question is, then why do I need the church? What's the big deal? And I think the underlying question is a question of uniqueness. Is what is unique about the community of the local church. What's different? Is there something special? So you're telling me to be friends with all these people, right? Because we're in the same local church. Well, what's so special about that? Why do I need that? Y'all with me? Y'all see the question here? And again, I don't know where you're at, but I, I think regardless of where you're at, you've wrestled with this question. There's one assumption here the assumption is that you know that you do need other people in your life. So if you're someone who has tried to live life on your own, you've probably found that doesn't work very well for a healthy life. And that's simply because uh, that's how God made us. God designed us to be in relationships with other people. And so uh, that's an assumption here. We're gonna, I'm going to kind of move forward assuming that we're on the same page there. But depending on where you're at in life, I think this is a really important question for all of us. Um, no matter where we're coming from. So uh, let's see what the Bible says. So thank you, Cody and Chloe, for reading for us. We're going to read back over this, this passage. Uh, I want you to, this time, the first time you, you were listening, but I do want you to read along and really um, actively read along and, and observe what we see in this passage. This is a description we get in the, early on in the book of Acts of the early church and their community. So you got to think, this is like, as soon as people started believing in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and uh, they, 
the believers, they start forming community. And that's what this is, okay? There are two little descriptions. One, you notice we sort of jumped from chapter two to chapter four. One's at the end of chapter two, the other's at the end of chapter four, okay? So follow along with me. We're gonna start in Acts chapter two, verse 42. We're reading from the ESV. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now you just flip over to chapter 4, verse 32. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, did you observe some things as we read that? Okay, so what, what is this community like? What is it like? You could throw out a lot of words. There, what? Somebody said something over here. I think they said selfless, is that? Okay, I think that's what I said, good answer. That's one of the right answers. I'm just kidding, that's great. Yeah, they were selfless. They were really committed to one another, right? Very devoted. They were for, they were, they were for real, right? I mean, they were like living in, this is like deep, close, intimate community, right? Y'all see that as we're reading? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to summarize kind of, we're going to talk about three things that we see here. Just try to kind of summarize uh, what this community was like and then talk about what it means for us, okay? So, and what it means to, in, in answer to our question. So the first thing I see, it's pretty, pretty obvious. It's a simple observation, but... Um, these people, they shared life. Seems like they just did a lot together. Did y'all see that? Look at, uh, starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So it literally seems like these people are living daily life together. They're worshiping together. They're praying together. They're eating meals together. They're in each other's homes, right? There's hospitality you see there. And it's like a day-by-day thing right? So these people are really living together. So I think another way to talk about this is just, um, it's really living uh, an open life, right? Kind of having an openness with your life where other people are welcome into it. Does that make sense? You know, and this is not always easy, and this is not always normal even. Um, Like, for example, so I I've been trying to get to know our neighbors. Y'all know Kristen let me move into her house once we got married. And so I've been getting to know our street and our neighbors and, and trying to at least, you know, when I'm out in the yard doing stuff. And it's kind of, there's two different kinds of neighbors. You know, there's ones that like 
are going to speak to you, and they may even go out of their way. They want to know about you. And then they're the ones that, like, this dude ain't even, like, looking over his fence at me, you know? Like, they're, like, not interested. It's like, does he even live there? I don't know. There's a trash can out, so he must, but he probably did that in, like, the middle of the night, so he didn't see any of his neighbors. Like, they're, like, hermits, sort of, you know? And that's more normal than probably the first type of neighbor. Um, we, we tend in our culture to live very kind of uh, closed off lives, right? We like to build fences around our lives. And I'm just, I'm kind of joking, but I'm serious. I'm talking about neighbors, but how, you know, how much more true would we want this to be in our, in our church, in our church family, right? We want to be open with our lives. Another illustration I've heard Barrett use before is like, if you had uh, two bags, like a small bag, and one you filled with marbles, okay? And you kind of carry it around with you. You like, you know, sling it around. I don't know, whatever you want to do with it. And then when you dump it out, what's going to happen? Is anything going to be different? No. The marbles are just going to go their own way, right? They may have bumped into each other. They may have been close in proximity to one another, but nothing's really happening, right? They've, they've got their, their world is sort of closed off. But if you do the same thing with a bag of grapes, what's going to happen when you empty out the bag? Is it going to look the same as when you put them in there? Definitely not, right? They're probably, it's probably going to be a little gross, actually. They're going to be mushy. You know, there's going to be some juice, you know. They're, gonna, they're probably not just going to go their own way. They're probably all going to kind of come out and be like, you know what I'm talking about? And so, but what does that mean? That means that they were sharing life. Like they had an openness with their lives so that as they bump into one another, as life happens together, there's actual change happening. There's transformation happening in their lives together. So that's what we're talking about when we say they shared life, okay? We're talking about living in authentic relationship with one another and opening our lives to one another. So that's the first thing we see. The next thing I want to talk about is um, their oneness. Did y'all see that? These people were incredibly united as one. Look at the, look at the scriptures. Uh, chapter 2, verse 44 says, All who believed... And remember, they're in one, they're in Jerusalem, so they're, they're, they live near each other. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Later on in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. That's pretty deep, right? Like these people are, are very united to one another. They were one. If you're me and you're hearing this, you're wondering, there's a question that comes to your mind and it's, well, how does that happen? Because um, you, I don't know if you noticed this, but that's not normal. That's not natural for even individuals, but much less large groups of people to be one, to be united. So much so that they would say, we have one heart and one soul. You know, all of us, we're, we're all one. So how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, I want to try to show you this. So um, you remember the very beginning of our scripture, verse 42 of chapter 2, says they devoted themselves to these things. They devoted themselves to worship together, right? They devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship. That word is more like partnership. It's like a, like a shared participation in these things. They're doing these things together. The breaking of bread and the prayers. So we're talking about communion and prayer. So they're devoting themselves to Jesus together. Right? And that, that creates a bond. That creates a oneness. But I want to show you even something a little 
deeper here. So we're going to actually flip over in your Bible. You're going to go a little further to the book of Ephesians. If you have a physical Bible, you have to do that. If you have a phone, you can just do that, you know. But the book of Ephesians, so, so amazing letter of Paul to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 1, he gives this long, um, really theologically rich introduction. And then in chapter 2, he starts the meat of the kind of the main thrust of his letter. And the first, in the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2, he, uh, Paul explains to these people, he, he explains the gospel, right? And you may be familiar with this. It's a very, it's a powerful passage. You know, he starts off in verse 1. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And he goes on. He says, you were actually, you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. But he's saying, you guys used to be dead in your sins. You were separated from God and therefore dead. You weren't just like struggling or not doing well or you know, wayward. You were dead. You were totally dead. You were, you were children of wrath because you were deserving of God's punishment, right? Like, like the rest of us. And in verse 4, the, the story shifts and he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. You know, he goes on and expounds on this, right? So, what is, what is Paul saying? Well, he's, he's, he's explaining the gospel. He's saying you were dead in your sins. And, and who, who did something about that? Not you, right? Who? God. Verse 4. But God, God took initiative. God intervened in his great love, his great mercy. And how did he do that? He sent his son, right? He sent his son to live a perfect life to die a sinner's death in our place and to raise to new life. That's the gospel. And what happens is when we believe in Jesus and his work on our behalf, verse five said, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is that when we believe in Jesus, we're united with him. We're made one with him, which means we get to receive and enjoy all of the blessings and benefits of being children of God like he is. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel. That's amazing. I don't know where you're at spiritually today, but if, if, if this is new for you or you're hearing this with fresh ears, I would lean in if I were you. God may be drawing you to himself through this. So, so Paul's explaining, okay, so you're, you're united with Christ through faith in the gospel, right? But that's, the book doesn't end there. In fact, that's just the beginning. It's only chapter, this is only chapter two. There's six chapters in the whole book. And the rest of the book, he's, he's explaining the implications of this on our lives, okay? So starting in verse 11, he says, therefore, which means in light of what was just explained, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. So he's talking to Gentiles. Y'all know who Gentiles are. Gentiles are non-Jews. So remember at this time in history, you've got Jews, God's chosen people, all right, Israel, the people of Israel. And then you've got Gentiles, which is everybody else. And what was happening at this time is there were Gentiles starting to believe in Jesus as well as Jews. And you can imagine the tension, right? It's tense. It's awkward. It's not good. And so uh, Paul goes and he says, remember you Gentiles, verse 12, he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. So you used to be separated. You were on the outside. It says you were alienated. You were strangers. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, 
You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one. He goes on and explains this, right? He says he, he's reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, killing any hostility, breaking down the walls. He says he came and preached peace to you who are far off, Gentiles, and peace to you who are near, Jews. Through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. What is Paul saying? He's saying when a Jew believes in Jesus, what, what happens? They're united with Christ, right? This is Jesus. When a Gentile believes in Jesus, what happens? They're united with him. So what does that mean for the two of them? They're also united, right? You don't have a choice, right? You don't get to have God as father and not get to have his other children as your siblings is kind of what he's saying, right? Like, that's not how this works, right? You're, when you're united in Christ together, you're made one, right? The cross of Jesus does this thing where it brings us all to the same place. It brings us all to the foot of the cross and brokenness and need. And that's a good place to be because we're all one there. Does that make sense? That's what's happening here in Acts 2. That's where these people, these people have experienced this miraculous oneness with Jesus and that's leading them to miraculous oneness with each other. Because what this means, here's, here's why. What this means is that I don't have to have anything in common with you except for our faith in Jesus to be one, to be united. Now, it's okay if we do. You remember all those things we talked about earlier? All those things you might have in common with somebody? That's cool. It's, it's easy to make friends with people like that. That's what you call natural community, right? Uh, the book, Compelling Community, talks about this, Mark Dever's book. That's natural community. But what we're talking about here is supernatural community, which means it literally doesn't matter if we have any pre-existing common ground because now we have, I, the gospel is our common ground. And so it's okay to have other things in common, but we don't have to. We don't have to. And that's where you start to see the beauty of unity, right? That's where you start to see, you could look at this as, you could view this as like the breadth of community that God gives us. The beauty of community because... Um, what this is talking about is not your classmates necessarily, not your buddy who likes the same football team as you. This is talking about black and white. This is talking about wealthy and poor. This is talking about uh, PhD and the guy who didn't graduate high school. You know what I'm saying? This is talking about Mud Island and Orange Mound. Like, I'm trying to give you different examples, okay? Like, people who really don't have any business being in community, being in deep community. Who else could do that, right? It would take a miracle to do that. Democrats and Republicans, need I say more, right? Like, like who, who else could do that but God? You see what I'm saying? And Paul says this in chapter three he, of, of Ephesians. Why did God do this? Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God did this so that he could, he could display his wisdom to all of creation. Jesus prayed this. This is one of his final prayers that's recorded in the Gospels. John 17, he prayed that all of his followers would be one so that they may know him, so that they may believe his gospel. Our, our unity is, is, it proves Jesus to the world. Y'all realize this? Because again, who else could do that? You're not gonna find that anywhere else. I guarantee you, you're not gonna find it. You're gonna find people who are gathered on common ground. Anybody can gather on common ground. So Jesus says, love your enemies right? Because who else can do that but God? So, all right, I got to move on. But do y'all see this? So these people, they were sharing life. 
They were one. Last thing I want to look at is they took responsibility. What do I mean by that? They took responsibility for, for one another. Look at, the, look at the scriptures here. So starting in verse 44 of chapter 2. So remember it says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Chapter 4 speaks of the same thing. Remember, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. It gives some examples. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. It gives a really specific example of this guy, Barnabas. He sold a field. He goes off, sells a field. He, he knows there's need in the congregation. So he just comes and gives it to the leaders of the church and says, do whatever you want to with it. Can you imagine this? This, this, this is crazy, y'all. You, I mean, we're going to talk later about countercultural, but hopefully you're seeing. I mean, this is counterculture. Can you imagine this? So when I say they took responsibility, what I'm saying is they, they were committed to the good of one another as much as their own good. Right? Taking responsibility for you. So... You could think about it. We talked about unity as sort of the breadth of relationships. This is like the depth. This is like once we're in community, I'm committed to you, man. Like your needs are my needs. Your joy is my joy. They, they no longer, it seems like they took these words that we like to use. That's, that's about, that's my thing. That's about me. That's mine. They took these words. They eliminated these words and they, they replaced them with these words. They said, this is about us. This is ours. This is our church. Oh, that's, those are our possessions even. So what happens is all of a sudden these people, to put it practically, they're saying, you know, uh, there's an empty nester couple and they're saying, well, we know that this younger couple is struggling to put their kids through school. You know, well, we, have, we could probably get by with one car. Why don't we sell it and help them? Or we don't need this big house now that all of our kids are moved out. We could sell the house, buy a smaller house and not as nice of an area, you know, and take whatever money we, we make and we could, we could put them through school. You see what I'm saying? I'm using a practical example, but I'm saying they owned each other's stuff. They took responsibility for one another. I mean, guys, this is the call. This is Galatians 6 too, right? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, what did Jesus say? John 13, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, actually, all people will know that you're my disciples. Not by your preaching, not by your social media, not by even your morality, but if you have love for one another, right? That's how, that's how people will know you're my disciples, is what Jesus is saying. That's how people will know you're the real deal, is if you love one another. So are y'all seeing Y'all seeing these things? So we're, we've been answering this question, what is this community like? And we've talked about these three things. They shared life, they were one, and they took responsibility. Y'all see these things too as we're looking at the scriptures? I think it's pretty clear, but it's, it's big, guys. I mean, hopefully you're, you're seeing the answer to our previous question about uh, uniqueness. <laughs> like, is this unique? Uh, yeah. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this before? I mean, this kind of, this, it's unique because of, I mean, look at, it's, it's costly. This kind of community is costly. This is not casual friendship. 
This is the kind of, these are the kind of relationships that are, that are going to cost you something. You should just know that up front. You know, we're not trying to ease you into that. Like, this is, this is going to cost you something. There's a commitment here. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you emotional energy and, and, and social capacity, and it's going to cost you money maybe. Probably. It should. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to cost you something. It's also highly countercultural. We have these on the slide. It's also countercultural. We've mentioned this a few times. I mean, this runs, this kind of community runs against the grain of pretty much every like American ideal, you know? Like indiv individualism, that's out the window. Because it's not about you, dude. Like, if you're showing up and you're trying to do this thing on your own, you're just not going to fit. It's not going to work for you. Consumerism, right? I'm just going to kind of see if the church is offering the kind of things I'm looking for. I'm wondering what they're providing this summer or in the fall. I hope they, you know, do the ministries I really like. Like, that's out the window. What do you mean? It's not about you. It's about us, right? It's our thing. Even just the, that kind of isolated mentality we talked about earlier, living life in a bubble, building fences around your life. Nope, not going to work. Division, right? Tribalism, like this is my thing, this is, that's your thing, that's those people, you know, liberals, conservatives, right? Whatever, that's kind of their thing. No, no, there's no more, there's no room for that here. You see that? So it's, it's highly countercultural, it's costly, but it, it is God's design. And we know that because it's in scripture. And we also, you can see the results of it. I don't know if y'all notice in the scriptures, like, it, it works, <laughs> Like this kind of community is a breeding ground for God to work, for revival even. Because look, I mean, it was good for the people, right? It says awe came upon every soul. There were signs of wonders being done. There, there was incredible growth in the church. It says they had favor with all the people. And, and so the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Sounds like every day somebody was getting saved, right? That's what that sounds like. That's crazy because people are attracted to this. So this is not, don't hear this as like, oh, uh, it's, you're, you're creating another bubble. But that, that's not how this works. Because you're actually, as you're in community, you're on mission together as well. This kind of community actually, it feeds mission. It fuels mission in all of our lives because we're in it together. So day by day, people are being drawn into this community. Because it's like nothing else that you can find. You can't find anything else like it. And it is a testament to Jesus, remember? It displays Jesus to the world. And obviously, God is glorified because of his, his, his power and grace are being manifested upon us. what it says there in uh, chapter 4, verse 33. So, I feel like I've been moving really fast. Are y'all with me? The question is just, guys, what does this mean for us, right? That's kind of, you know, that's, that's where we're always headed, right? What does this mean for you, actually, and for me. What does this mean? Well, I think, I think it answers our question from earlier uh, because what we're seeing here is that the, the kind of community God is calling us to in the local church is totally and completely unique to any other relationship we have, right? It's... it's it's, 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 a, it's set apart. In the same way that we are set apart as people, this kind of community is set apart. Now, don't hear that we're saying, don't hear me say, uh, you shouldn't have any friends that are on ICC. That's not what we're saying at all. 
how are, the, how, how are our numbers going to grow day by day? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's not true at all. And it's not bad to have, to have Christian community outside of our church. It's not, we're not, again, we're not isolating ourselves as a, as a local church either. We belong to the universal church. But guys, in reality, let's be practical. You can't live this way with everybody. You can't live this way with everybody you go to school with and work with and in your neighborhood and every Christian you know. You just can't do that. And it's not the design, right? The design is that we live this way in our immediate community, in our local church community. Does that make sense? And so I want you to consider, so I, I want to show you one more thing here that might help give some framework. We have measures as a church. We, there are six of them, things that we say, this is how we this is how we measure success. If we're seeing these things in our lives, then that's good, okay? That's a good thing. There are things like desperate dependence and gospel centrality. One of them is covenant community. And here's how we define it. We say it's a choice to live in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers in the local church. So what I'm trying to show you here is you can see what we just saw in Scripture. You can see these things. You know, authentic relationships, they're sharing life selfless interdependence, you're taking responsibility for one another, loving unity, you're, you're doing all these things as one, right? But what, what we're highlighting here in this definition is that this is a choice. You don't have to do this. I mean, you don't, you're not required to do this. Um, I think if you're a member of our church, you've committed to do it uh, because we have a church covenant and covenant implies commitment, right? And you're committing to living this way. But you don't have to do this. You can show up do your thing and go home. There are millions upon millions of Christians who do that, right? But I would argue that they're not, they're not living the full life, the abundant life that God has for them because they're not living in his design for the church. And guys, none of us is perfect. None of us does, none of us like embodies this, okay? This is really hard, right? Just because you're on staff with the church doesn't mean you do this, okay? In fact, you, you might could make a case that it's harder in some ways, I don't know. But what I'm saying is I'm, I'm not perfect at this. None of us perfectly embodies this. What I'm inviting you to consider is, are you willing to, are you willing to choose this? You know, we call it a choice. Are, are you willing to choose this? Like, are you willing to step in and say, I'm going to commit myself to really seeking to live this way with each other? You know, we're not going to wonder, well, who do I do this with? Well, you're looking at them, you know? You're sitting by them, you know? Like, are you, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to say... Uh, I want to live in God's design. Like, who, who wants to live in God's design for their lives? I hope everybody, right? If you didn't raise your hand, I believe that you did it in your heart. You raise your hand in your heart. You know, I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean, imagine what would happen if we truly, guys, we've got, there's community in our church. I mean, all those things I talked about, I've seen happen in our church. I've seen some of it this week. I mean, this stuff happens. This is real. It's not impossible. It's not out of reach. The question is, are you, are you willing? And so I want, I want you to consider that. Like, what's, what would be your next step? Okay, like practical step. We're calling this summer our family reunion, right? Like, what would it, you've got lots of opportunities. You know, you've got Sunday mornings. You've got Wednesday nights. You've got other opportunities throughout the week. You can initiate your own relationships with with people in this room, right? What would be your next step toward authentic relationships? Who could you this week open your life to? Let them in. Have them over to your house, right? 
Eat, eat together in your home. Do what they did in Acts 2. Talk about life. Talk about spiritual life. What would that look like? What would it look like to, to reconcile with someone you've had something weird with for too long and really work towards actual unity in the church? Not just an idea, not just, well, we're united because we can sit and worship together. That's not unity. It's about unity where you can actually move from there and take responsibility for one another. What would it look like for you to say, hey, man, I, I know you've got this going on. What could I do for you? You know, how could I support you in that? What could I give? Because that's not your thing. That's our thing. It's not your mission trip. That's our mission trip. That's not your financial burden. That's our financial burden, right? That's not your thing that you're carrying, your family issue. That's ours, right? Because we're family. So I hope you all see what I'm saying. This can get really practical. I mean, it literally... It's so practical. It's like you could do it while we're eating breakfast. <laughs> you know, you, you could do it today. Um, it's, it doesn't require anything crazy. It just requires, I believe, a heart that's willing and the spirit in us that bonds us together in peace. So, guys, I, I, we're going to pray. We've been doing this every week. We're going to take a few minutes to, to pray together about these things. This is all, all I'm really encouraging you to pray about it or it's just take each of these things maybe identify an area where you can confess some some laziness you know like somewhere where you've you've fallen short or you haven't even been trying <laughs> and and pray about that ask for God's help guys I believe if we committed ourselves to this I think well I know God would work God would move in the same ways and maybe not the exact same ways but his mission is the same as it was in Acts 2, so I think he'd work similarly as he did then. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in the local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.